Hey, this is Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder, and I've been on that show. It's a good show, I think. I have to, I'm still figuring out how to listen to podcasts. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's William Shatner. Because I was in that show, and... And I never forget that. I'm eternally grateful to it that uh, all these years later, I can be in front of an audience. The audience I've come to be able to hear and see me. It's a, it's a what a Captain Kirk himself. How exciting! We have a song of the week coming up from Jonas Blue, and we have a dumb bit that kind of ties in to the William Shatner interview. So let's get to that first. Some bit kind of ties in to the interview with William Shatner that's coming up in that uh, my late friend Jim Lugers was, uh, and I explained this in the interview with Mr. Shatner, that there are two kinds of people in the world, Star Trek fans and Star Wars fans, and while the two often cross, I like Star Wars just fine, uh, you can usually pin people down that like one or the other. And uh, my friend, the late Jim Lugers, of course, uh, more of a Star Trek guy, though he liked both like I did. Our friend Troy, a Star Wars guy first, Star Trek second. Again, he liked both. But anyway, um, I thought I had uh, some audio of Jim doing a thing on his podcast, an old bit he used to do about the uh, Star Trek crew had moved into his apartment building and they were doing laundry downstairs. He used to do it in his early days of stand-up. And I couldn't find that. But I did find something from his podcast, uh, Star Wars Episode Seven, and he recorded this five years ago. And it was kind of what he imagined Star Wars Seven was going to be like. It was just ever been announced that there was going to be a Star Wars Episode Seven. So we will listen to that, and then we will uh, go into the interview with William Shatner. So here from the Big Pretty podcast is uh, Jim Lugers imagining what Star Wars Episode Seven uh, would have been like uh, a couple of years before it even came out. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, people respected their elders. Star Wars, Episode 7. You kids, stay off my lawn. Crankiness and irregularity have engulfed the retired veterans of the Valiant Rebel Alliance. Since the fall of the evil Galactic Empire, the galaxy has enjoyed 30 years of space peace. Aside from Leah Skywalker Solo and her force lightning menopause and constant nagging and what a little killer to lose 10 pounds. A small band of heroes led by Jedi Knight and AARP member Luke Skywalker have made their secret base on the assisted living planet of Miami, where they are determined to catch the Jar Jar Macon cleaning lady that keeps stealing from them. Hold on, Mr. Skywalkers. Time for the making of the Jedi battle. Hey, have you seen my green lightsaber? Green saber louder? Me not nothing. You know I'm a Jedi, like my father before me. I can tell if you're lying, you little freak show. Mr. No Lion, Mr. Skywankums. You've never seen no lightsaber, though. Let me show you a little trick my daddy taught. Luke, stop choking the gun gun. Here's your damn lightsaber. You left it up R2's ass again. Mr. Tell you I'm no stealer. Just let the weird frogman make your bed. No way. Only 3PO. See, 3PO moved to the rainbow planet with his friend, remember? Would it kill him to call... Leia! Leia! 
In Luke's room. Shocker. What's that supposed to mean? I don't know. Why don't you ask our retarded inbred son? How dare you insult Mungo? Mungo, no, that's what you looking for. At least I'm not running off to broke Nerf Herder Mountain with a walking carpet every weekend. Maybe I'd stick around here if you could still fit into that gold bikini. You're 70 years old, Han. Maybe if you could get it up without a purple pill? Mommy, Daddy, fight. Wayne Man, burn baby. Excuse me. Yes, I'm making a dum-dum go. What? Who the hell are you calling dum-dum? <laughs> Boring conversation anyway. Chewy, let's get out of here. Han, mind if I come with you? I don't know, kid. This is kind of mine and Chewy's thing. <laughs> well, maybe I'll get my own ship. Sure, and who's going to fly her, kid? You? I could, you know. I, uh... <sighs> Why not? What were you saying? I don't remember. Leo, where are my goddamn keys? Oh, Han Solo, you old poop. I hate you. I know. If you consider yourself to be an old soul trapped in a modern world, you can relive days gone by in classic imprints from our vast collection at OldSchoolShirts.com. We have vintage tees from all the great American cities like... Atlanta, Baltimore, Brooklyn, Chicago, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and more. We've got defunct sports teams, old restaurants, old stores you used to shop at when you were a kid. Just go to OldSchoolShirts.com. It is all one word. Pick up yourself a great and stylish-looking vintage T-shirt, and it really helps the show as well. So as soon as you're done listening, head there. William Shatner is the captain of the Enterprise, Captain Kirk. And, of course, he's also with T.J. Hooker. He did Rescue 911. He's done tons and tons of things beyond the role he's most famous for, of course. And, boy, what a thrill it was to talk to William Shatner. Hello, Mr. Shatner. How are you? Very good. Uh, This is a tremendous honor. I appreciate you taking the time well, to do I, this. I appreciate that. I, uh, I appreciate um, Well, I, I know we don't have much time, so I'm going to jump uh, right to it. Um, of course. Okay, we're, we're going to be talking about uh, Star Trek II when you're here in town. You're going to watch the movie and take some comments. So we'll start there. Uh, coming out of the motion picture, which I know you know was disappointing to some Star Trek fans, or maybe it's a little more ambitious. Uh, was it you were a little? Were you guys a little nervous going in to make two, or did you know what needed to be done to make that such a great movie? Well, the, the Star Trek the movie was uh, moderately received. And just moderate business. Eventually, it made money, but in the beginning, Paramount thought they were going to lose some money, and they had decided that that was the end of the the, the Star Trek thing for them. And uh, Charlie Bluedorn, who owns uh, Paramount at that time, uh, apparently went home one night, and his wife said, "You have got to make another one of the Star Trek films," and she made him uh, green light. The second movie, which is what this uh, movie is, uh, The Wrath of Khan. So the television department got it. It went back to uh, the, the strength of Star Trek, which is a really good story. And we made it for about a third of the cost of the movie. And it was very successful. I'm talking about The Wrath of Khan. And made a great deal of money for Paramount. Uh, and as a result of the success of of the uh, of the Wrath of Khan, all these other iterations of Star Trek uh, happened. If it hadn't been for the Wrath of Khan, uh, 
my feeling is none of that would have happened. So was there like pressure going in to, to make two, or did you guys know? Like, well, we, we all wanted it to succeed. We had done three years uh, in a, a moderately successful series, uh, which was moderately uh, received and uh, and uh, and uh, 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 opinions written about it. Uh, so we all wanted it to succeed, but we didn't know. And I'm. Uh, I've got a new album, a Kepsikistic album, uh, uh, Why Not Me, it's called. It's out there right now. Uh, I mean, we, I've got a book coming out, uh, called, uh, Live Long and Dot Dot Dot, is it? I've even got a, uh, a, a Christmas album called Sacred Claus, which will be out in October. My point there is that I, I think it's gonna be wonderful. I think that, I think right now, it's some of my best work. But I'm just presented to an audience. You don't know what is the audience that is feel about these uh, vehicles that you've invented. And that's the same thing with Star Trek II. We thought it was a good trip. We thought it was well done. But until the audience embraced it or not, do you know whether you've got it? So is that your favorite of the uh, of the ones that you made, or did you like the one that you directed? Because you know, well, five... I thought Star Trek Five was brilliant. Yes, <laughs> uh, I liked Five a lot. I, 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 the fact that I directed it is has no bearing on my opinion whatsoever. Well, I like the message of that one a lot. Um, you know, in the in terms of you know, you have to sometimes you have to embrace your pain. I thought that had like the I would say the strongest message, you know, without being overt about it, of of all of the films. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting. We, uh, I, I might uh, bring that up. Uh, uh, I appear on stage with the movie. The movie plays, and then I come on stage and talk to Sue and I are talking, feeling uh, but from the audience and talk to them about what they want to hear and information they might want to uh, understand. And, and a lot of laughs, a lot of things happen on stage that are really great. And it's really entertaining. So... I'm urging your audience to come to the theater that night and uh, and enjoy it quickly. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Weirdly, I don't really watch a lot of movies, and uh, I went back and watched, just out of the blue, watched Wrath of Khan about six months ago. I was just in the mood to see it, and uh, I watched it, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, just like I did when I was 16 years old and saw it in the theater for the first time. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, everyone is so good in that. Yeah, you and Nimoy and Ricardo Montalban, it's just brilliant. Yeah. Um, is is uh, Captain Kirk your favorite role? You're, I mean, you are widely known for other things as well, T.J. Hooker. I enjoyed you in Barbary Coast when I was, like, in first or second grade when you got well, that show. Uh, that- you know, his favorite is a, a changing term, uh, the way you like Vanilla. Uh, Ice cream, and then finally becomes peppermint uh, chocolate or whatever. Uh, as you take change uh, in the human beings, or the acting, and uh, for me, my mentality is whatever I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, that's not uncommon for an artist. Yeah. Um, did you ever kind of distance yourself from the role the way Leonard Nimoy did, or have misgivings about it, or kind of get get tired? No, of not a, not at all. If you and I are talking uh, this afternoon because of that, uh, because I was in that show, and and I never forget that. But 
eternal grateful to that uh, all these years later uh, I can be in front of an audience and the audience will come to the theater with so I've uh, reasoned in, in my lifetime that uh, there's two kinds of people in this world, uh, Star Trek and Star Wars people. And while they both enjoy each other, I can usually pin people down to pick one or the other. Uh, and it reminded me because famously Star Trek II had to change its name because they were bringing out Return of the Jedi at that point, And there was kind of some confusion amongst names. And they asked Gene to change the name of his movie and everything. How did you feel about the Star Wars universe? Are you a fan? Do you not think about it much? What's uh, What are your thoughts? Oh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's great entertainment. Uh, they, uh, they, uh, they have a great were the leaders in uh, in computer graphic magic and and uh, ILM uh, uh, international light back is something. Um, their 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 uh, computer arm at uh, the film. Uh, they uh, they're magical. They're great artists, and they brought epic quality. To their movies and to go to their movies and so, uh, how in somebody uh, somebody's imagination of the of the, uh, of the designer's imagination uh, what the world will look like uh, and it's not necessarily true it probably isn't but it's no more or less valid in your opinion because you don't know what's going to happen in our next breath let alone perhaps this stuff so what's People imagine that what they can draw and the reality that they bring to it is is what George Lucas uh, uh, started. He was the inventor, he and his people. Uh, we came along, and our our strength was story. Uh, so, although our computer graphic, what J.J. Abrams of late, uh, the early, the late uh, Star Trek movies discovered that people want to come and see that ride. Uh, to experience the, the, the inner magic. So he's involved in that as well now. But the early Star Trek didn't have that. Didn't afford it, didn't have it, and they went to the, the story, which is what, where the rocket come, uh, is, uh, so excellent there. That was neat how it came full circle. You know, it didn't occur to me that uh, my, my late friend Jim was uh, about 10 years younger than me, and he actually uh, came to Star Trek through, I guess he was a Star Wars fan first, but then he came on board with the uh, with the Star Trek movies, and then that overtook, he became a Star Trek fan uh, ov overall of, of the two. And I always thought that was kind uh -huh. of interesting that, uh, cause to me, because I was, you know, I came on in syndication when I was in first grade, about 1972, my brother showed it to me, and I was hooked. But it always, you know, it was odd to me that, oh, someone came aboard even after the TV series, and he went back and liked the TV series, too, but his favorite were the were the movies, were those six movies. Yes. Well, we, we knew, uh, we did the sojourn in, in, in the movie, and started the movie, uh, trying to get a lot of graphics in there. Uh, but it became apparent that people wanted to see the enlightened story, story that involved the future, but also about humanity. So we stuck as close to that as we could. And that was the key to our success, I think. Do you have a particular memory of making The Wrath of Khan? Uh, like maybe a particular scene you were doing with somebody? Oh, yeah, se several. Uh, a few of which, uh, when I'm asked, uh, they'll uh, reveal. 
talk about. Uh, but there are some very amusing things that happen. Uh, some uh, uh, dramatic things that happen. But it, uh, it, it was a, a pivotal film in that without it, nothing else would have happened. And although I don't think you were aware of that constantly, uh, I think certainly Leonard and I uh, felt strongly about making it as as good as it possibly could be if this might be uh, the last one. And indeed, each film that we finished, uh, they would burn the set. I think you would get as the last one. Was that because they just thought interest in science fiction was waning, or because they just thought interest in Star Trek was waning? Or both? The management, uh, having been, I don't know if you use the word burned, or management having uh, experienced um, limited thought topics and everything, including the series, must have thought, well, uh, it, there's more money involved in storing the set, but there is been burning them. So they would burn them. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, did you, uh, did, uh, were you a fan of, uh, The Next Generation? Because that kind of like, you know, owes its existence, as you're saying, to the success of the movies. Uh, was that something? Well, now, for reasons that I don't know, and he'll discuss, uh, uh, if you wish, uh, now or some later point, I've never watched any of the other That's interesting. I, I just have never watched it. Why? I'm not quite sure. Uh, our shows, I don't watch any other shows. I'm covered. I'm a newsaholic. I love movies, I love sports. I love all the other stuff on television, but I just don't watch half hour or hour shows. It's strange because um, I emailed my brother to confirm with him that our favorite episode of the original series is the Doomsday Machine, which is kind of atypical of Star Trek fans. Most of you get City on the Edge of Forever, a mock time, and then it kind of goes from there. And uh, but ours was always a Doomsday Machine. Another series of uh, great performances: you, uh, Leonard Nimoy, D. Kelly, and of course uh, William Windome. Uh, was was that one of your favorites? It was so well done. Yes, yes, they were well done. Uh, you know, they're all pretty good and, and, uh, favorites. If you want to, uh, uh, to clear up, uh, you know, to get on with it, I'll say this is my favorite, but I really don't have one. Uh, it's those 12 written ones uh, that are little jewels uh, that I, uh, refer to and, and like you're, you're talking about. They're, they're well acted, they're well written, they're well and for a, six-day uh, series. Uh, it's well done. Uh, are you amazed that, you know, you, you took the job, I guess, back in 65 or so, or maybe 64, That were you amazed that in, in 2018 that this is still ongoing and hugely popular and, and most Americans consider themselves to be... Absolutely amazed that, uh, that I'm appearing on stage in, in your town and that and, uh, and people will come and see it because they love Star Trek. They love the characters. The movie's entertaining. The, the evening will be entertaining. Uh, I'm absolutely amazed. Every time I appear in front of an audience, come see me. I'm, I'm awed by the fact that they're there. 
And is it still crossing from where you can tell, like, like generations? I and I know that uh, you know Star Wars has had its resurgence lately with some of the films, but uh, Star Trek still seems to be holding up, you know, in terms of bringing in the younger people too. Yes, they do. I mean, the grandmothers bring their six-year-old uh, children and old folks come and uh, try to remember things, and and uh, middle-aged people say, uh, "I want this with my father and my mother." And, uh, they bring all kinds of memories and uh, pieces to stay tuned in uh, with Star Trek. I think the characters have become beloved. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and and really, people kind of see themselves in you know basically either you or uh, Leonard Nimoy's character, sometimes D. Kelly's character, and of course, people also gravitated towards Mister Scott and other people. So it's kind of interesting how people saw themselves, you know, in that universe and and how they would you know how they would be portrayed. Right. Now they identified with uh, water for all of the text. Yeah. Oh, a quick, <laughs> quick story, real yeah. quick. I um I got into college uh, into uh, an advanced English course because of uh, you and Leonard Nimoy because I we were supposed to write an essay in the summer when we applied to college and I wrote the juxtaposition between you uh, Captain Kirk the emotional uh, but still level headed versus Mister Spock the logical versus uh, Doctor McCoy the emotional. And I skipped right out of regular English, and they got placed in advanced English because of that. So I always say, that's Captain that's Kirk great. got me into college, yeah. You know, that's a new one, but uh, as you can imagine, over the years, how many people have come up and said, I'm an engineer, I'm an aeronautical uh, pilot, I'm a, I'm a doctor, uh, uh, because of the show. And I mean, how, how extraordinary that is for the person's life has been changed or uh, because of television that I was on. Yeah, I remember hearing NASA engineers when the space shuttle was launched the first time saying, oh yeah, it was because of Star Trek that, I, that I'm here. Well, I know I've kept you way over what I was supposed to, so one last quick question. So if this is, goes well, and I assume it is, do, are we going to get a tour for Star Trek 3 next year? Uh, I don't know. I know <laughs> nothing. Okay. All right. Well, I thought um, you might have a little insight there. Well, terrific. Looking forward to seeing you in town. Well, I, I hope you will be there. I definitely am going to try. You take care of that. Thank you so much for doing this, sir. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to William Shatner for being on the show. William Shatner is touring the country right now. Uh, showing Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, the best Star Trek movie, obviously, and then taking questions afterwards about the show. So uh, just Google that, and you can find it. Uh, it's, I'm running late here, so otherwise I would look that up for you, but it'd just be probably faster if you Googled William Shatner Tour, and you can find out where he's going to be in your neck of the woods, as they say. A couple of quick plugs. Nearly Liza's YouTube channel. You need to check that out. Um, you need to also check out uh, Fangirl's blog, checkcheckhey.wordpress.com. It's also called The Crawfish is the name of her blog, and uh, she's really writing about some exciting and funny stuff there, so please do check that out as well. And uh, while I'm plugging things, I produce another podcast uh, at my day job. It's called the Cincy Shirts Podcast, and you may have uh, heard me plugging old school shirts, the sibling site, uh, on this podcast. And you need to go there, too, by the way. Go to oldschoolshirts.com, buy some shirts. Uh, look up the Cincy Shirts podcast, available wherever you get podcasts. And it isn't just Cincinnati-specific, uh, even though we've talked about things that are 
Cincinnati specific, I think you people will still like them. We talked uh, to a guy, uh, he's from a, uh, an organization called Haunted Cincinnati, talking about, and if you like just haunted stuff, you'll like that. Same thing with Abandoned Cincinnati. It is about stuff in town here, but also if you like just abandoned stuff in general, you'll dig that. We had Johnny Bench off of baseball and uh, a couple of the local newscasters and, and some other, uh, oh, a couple guys from the soccer team here as well. So check that out if you, or if you know anybody that's from Southwest Ohio, please point them in that direction. And finally, the song of the week is from Jonas Blue. He is a DJ, and I thought his last song was a big hit here. It was a cover of uh, Fast Car, the old Tracy Chapman tune. And Fangirl and Liza loved it. So I figured, oh, this is, and, and that they knew it, I figured, and listened to it a lot, I figured, oh, this must also be a hit, even though they don't listen to chart radio very much. I figured, oh, this must be a hit. And it was a huge hit over in Britain, on, and it was on Radio 1 a lot. Nope, didn't even chart here. Uh, the new song is Rise. It is a top 10 hit in the UK right now. And I thought, well, this surely this is this is on the radio in the United States. Nope, hasn't even charted here. But uh, I like this tune. Uh, the Fast Car cover was great, but I like this song a lot better. It, it does kind of sound a lot like the other DJE stuff that's out there. But again, in controlled doses, uh, I like this kind of stuff. So this is Rise, Jonas Blue featuring, I don't know who this is featuring, actually. Hold on, let me check. It is Jack and Jack. It is okay. So this is Jonas Blue uh, Rise featuring Jack and Jack. It's our song of the week on PF Tape Recorders. So long and thanks for listening. We're gonna ride, 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 rise till we fall. They say we got no, 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 no future at all. They wanna keep, keep, keep us out, can't hold us down anymore. We're gonna ride, 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 rise till we fall. When we hit the bottom, nothing gonna stop us. We could be the greatest ones who never made it Yeah, I could be talking to you 